0: Welcome to Herbal Explorations, a podcast hosted by Wilson Lau of New Herbs. Each week, we speak to leading experts about what's happening in the herbal industry. Welcome to Season 2 of Herbal Explorations. Today, I have Suzanne Shelton with the Shelton Group. I will have the pleasure of having Suzanne interview me today and give my thoughts of sustainability instead of being the interviewer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's really appropriate for us to be having this conversation because, um, you know, we do talk about this a lot and, and we've um, worked together a lot on sort of sharing your thoughts on the long term thinking that you have in terms of has s- sustainability needing to be an important component of all the decisions that companies make, particularly companies dealing with botanicals. So I'm thrilled to be able to have this conversation with you. Um, So um, the governments have a lot of impact on um, businesses and people's lives. Uh, Businesses, there's always the whole like uh, regulation, complaining about regulation. I mean, I prefer to call regulations consumer protections personally. But um, what kind of impact is that like government and intergovernmental activities going to have on a business in the context of all all this other stuff we've been talking about?
0: Yeah, I think... The impact of, the governmental impact will be huge in the future. Um, I think there's three main themes, right? One is over the past two, three years, we're seeing this movement away from globalization. We're not gonna be less, we're not gonna be, we can't reverse things, but we'll become less globalized and more maybe regionalized. Um, And you sort of see this because, we're seeing more and more barriers to free trade, whether they're artificial or real or necessary or unnecessary, whatever the case may be. But there's just less uh, free trade going on. And, you know, we're talking a more, about how do we get our supply chains and other things closer to home and as we do that um we're, we're and COVID and, and environmental changes the other themes that we talked about really are impacting that right and it's not just government actions it's also the reality of what's going on in the world out there with weather and um, disease so i think that's part of it it's like this movement from globalization to regionalization. And then I think there's gonna be governments worldwide are making decisions on climate change and how they're gonna address it. Whether it's in a global manner, like what happened with the UN and COP 27 recently,
1: Mm -hmm. the
0: meeting and having that fund of funds for sort of um, how do we get countries that may not be able to afford to do climate change things Um, How do we provide them the funds and the means necessary to do so? So that that was a great uh, improvement. But just at a local level, you know, whether it's our local government, our regional government, our state government, or, you know, how is the changes in regulations going to impact that? Um, I'll give you a perfect example is, you know, California wants to go move away from all gas cars, I think, by 2035 or 2030, something like that. So it's soon, right? Like less than 10 years. Um, Yeah, it's
1: ambitious. It's an ambitious goal.
0: Yeah. And, and it's ambitious, but these are things that will impact um, decisions that will impact how we do things within the food supply chain. Um, And I think, you know, it's, also California's laws that are coming from the state is that impact people like in Illinois, we have, we have this law proposition that passed that said, you know, pigs need to have X number of feet of room. Well, the pigs are actually living in you know the Midwest. Most of them are, you know, most of the pork comes out of the Midwest. So it's, but in order to sell California, you need to have those meet those requirements. So it's a lot of these regulations that are, Intergovernmental regulations that will also impact what we do from a climate and sustainability will have great impacts on the food supply chain. So, I think that's going to be something that will be very interesting to see what's going to happen, whether it's you know at a global level like um, CITES, the Convention on International Treaty of Endangered Species, or something that's more local, like laws in California. But we're all is going to impact that. And I think that segues into technology and how do these rules and regulations impact that technology that will impact the food supply chain, the food technology portion of it.
1: Right. Yes. Um, But what do you mean by technology? I mean, there's so many things that fall under that umbrella. I mean, science obviously is important for a company that does the extensive testing that you do Mm -hmm. on your product and the technology for doing the ultra-customized extracts that you do. But that issue is bigger than that. Um, So what do you see on the horizons with the evolving and changing technology?
0: Yeah, I think technology is such a big, big thing, right? Um, And it seems like all companies are becoming technology companies. Um, We just do different things with the technology. But having said that, I think to your point is there's the testing technology, um, which has over time, we're getting to lower, to better, to be able to see lower and lower and lower and gain better fidelity. Um, I like the word fidelity because I see the turntables in the back, uh, but you're getting you know better and better fidelity. So like, hey, we live in an inherently dirty world, right? Um, there's not to be trace pesticides on everything, no matter where it's grown, right? Because the world is dirty, right? If you get, we're at parts per billion, but you, you move the decimal point to parts per trillion, and then, or you move decimal points one more over, the machinery can go there. But with our current regulations in the U.S. for pesticides, it's all, there's no tolerance, zero tolerance, except for the ones that have been applied for, right? So like no detectable levels. Yeah, you just can't detect it. But if equipment gets better, the detectable level keeps going down. You you move these decimal points, you know, we started off at parts per thousand, parts per million, now we're parts per billion, then soon parts per trillion. Well, you know, when are you gonna draw the line, right? Like, you know, I think so the rules and regulations that will also have to match the technology that is coming out, and you know whether it's blockchain, right? Um, and seeing like, hey, how do we really get traceability in the system, and how we use certain tools like that? It could be things as easy as, do we need expiration dates in the future, right? Um, my friend that I went to college with is um, launched a digital smell company. Huh? Uh, it's basically he uses sensors to sort of understand what smell it is. And um, so it's being used in like food, a lot of food uh, production avenues to make sure that the product is consistently smelling the way that it's within its type parameters. But another use for something like that could be like, has something spoiled.
1: Right. That makes sense.
0: Right. So I just saw an article recently that said, you know, <laughs> what is this expiration date with food right um is it is the food dangerous to consume or is this no longer meets the quality attributes or what what is the situation right um we all have eaten food that has been past the expiration date and probably lived to tell about it um and and didn't get sick right so i think you know but having said that if we can move from if we had tools to determine besides our 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 senses which are great tools already right to determine if something is spoiled or not maybe that will reduce the amount of food waste out there and i think what was the statistic about food waste um let me see if i can remember remember it but it's you know a lot of our food is actually that we produce is actually wasted isn't
1: it Um, something like 40%, 40%, something, it's its insanely high.
0: Yep. Yeah, I think you're right on the number. I think it's 40% um, of the food is actually wasted, right? So, hey, if we can produce the same amount of food, but we can reduce that waste by one half even, which would put us at 20% food waste, you know, a lot more people will have calories and food security will hopefully reduce, right? Even assuming the same production.
1: You know, I just saw a headline, I think it was in Food Navigator, and I haven't had time to read the actual article. Um, I I did save it because I didn't, I had no idea how they would address this, but it was talking about products that are tailored to reducing food waste. Like, I have no idea how you do that, which is because I haven't read the article yet. But it's like companies are actually starting to design products with that in mind, which I thought was fascinating.
0: Well, you know, I think there's a lot of ways you can design products to minimize food waste, right? I think one is designing the, you know, the right serving size. The portions. Oh God,
1: the portions, yes. Portions,
0: right? Like, like if you if you give someone three portions in once one serving, right? Well, they're not going to be able to eat the whole thing, and some of it will go to waste. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if it's in, in grab and go format, right? Um, yeah. So I think it's it's things like that is also how do you deliver it right um i'll give you an example of my fridge recently died she just went kaplunk
1: uh
0: but the new fridge that i got has better humidity control so the study that they did and and you know this is under perfect conditions right but in imperfect conditions, still, if you close your fridge and close the drawer and whatnot and keep humidity relatively tight, you should be able to, a bag of carrots lasts, you know, under my old fridge, for example, may, that had poor humidity control, may have lasted four, five, six days. In the new fridge, it may last two, three weeks.
1: Interesting. So it's,
0: it's, there's ways that, you know, refrigeration can help just by changing the attributes of it. Uh, the serving size and you know how you sell it and package it mm-hmm. for the consumer. How easy do you make it to convert? Right. Um, it, these are all things that um, can minimize food waste. And also, I think in South Korea, as on the way back from vacation, I was reading has almost they have a, almost eliminated food waste in a huge degree. Um, part of it is that what happens is that they have they don't allow food into the garbage system so they have to buy these relatively cheap plastic bags so think about it as um almost like the aluminum uh can fee. somewhere that it costs something but not enough to you know make it so people won't comply so they buy these bags and have to put it out and they're uh, they come daily to collect um uh, what we would call compostable material.
1: Wow. And is it then composted?
0: Then it's changed to, and why the food waste is not, you know, obviously they have less waste that goes into it because there's a cost to using the system and they'll try to figure out how to do it better. Uh, But it's then the green waste is converted to other sources of energy and doesn't go into the garbage landfills because they have a shortage of landfills. So they're figuring out ways to do that. And there's, um, so it's, it's, it's looking at the problem in a 360 degree way and you know, whether we had to do things on a on an individual level, but that the government also needs to create systems and counties have app have systems to sort of allow us to do it in an easy manner to sort of do things. So I think when it comes to food waste and technology, there, there's things that a lot, if we have better tools in our hands, we will be able to do things companies need to do things so that even if someone throws away the rest of that bag or whatnot you know maybe there's less in the bag or it's better size or whatever it is Um, resealable bags you know also reduces food waste right because the chances of someone opening the bag and not closing it now becomes less so there's a lot of things that we can do personally, uh, individually, at a company level and a governmental level uh, to sort of reduce, uh, to to make an impact on the sort of environmental and social piece of things.
1: Well, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about has to be thinking longer term. You know, I'm thinking longer term of, you know, in, in our energy usage in, Um, you know, sort of the social policies, you know, having governments think bigger picture, longer term, in terms of addressing some of these things. Um, And then also with technology, I mean, thinking longer term um, as how products are designed and delivered. Um, Is there anything else about technology that you wanna touch on?
0: I I think, you know, technology has, there's so many things, right, with technology but I think the question really will become one day or is already becoming what is food is <laughs> like, are we all going to be taking a green pill that's nutrient artificially nutritionally dense and get our calories that way? Like a multivitamin or like
1: showed in all those old science fiction movies. I don't think people are going to be willing to give up a, you know, nice piece of garlic bread and a steak or whatever.
0: Yeah, but, you know, I think the question is really what is food? Because, look, even in our lives, right, there's a lot of protein alternatives, replacements. A lot of them are plant-based or fermentation-based. But, you know, there can be cell cultures and really grow meat. Scary thought, but, it can, you know, technology yeah. can let us do that in the future. Yeah. Um, on our side, of things on the botanicals. You know, can we create chemically identical synthesis through biosynthesis, which is happening um, in certain parts of our um, industry and the food industry? Right? It's like, how do we synthesize uh, these I mean, foods?
1: Well, and that's become somewhat controversial because there are synthetic botanicals that um, you know some people think that that it's just bad to have synthetics, but. I mean, as long as they're clearly labeled that it's not, it didn't come from the earth; it came from, you know, a fermentation tank or whatever. Um, This this is starting to sound very sci-fi, isn't it? But, um, you know, I don't know. Where do you see that going? I mean, do you think we we've seen climate change impact on botanicals for years? We've seen societal impact on botanicals for years in terms of less wild crafters being able mm-hmm. to like make a living at that you know losing some of the the knowledge that has been passed down through generations we're seeing less you know like like young people farming cultivating a lot of botanicals so where do you see us going with that? I mean, we're not going to end up all using the synthetics, are we? Tell me we're not. No, no.
0: I I don't think we're all going to go to GMOs and biosynthesis. Uh, I think the key is really that there's a demographic change, and this is back to my original comment in the beginning of this talk uh, of our conversation is with this demographic change, where the population is uh, versus where the herbs are. you know, and we sort of look at this at a different level, right? We're talking about the movement of people from rural areas to urban areas. And so the less people in rural areas where, the, where these botanicals are wildcrafted and farmed, you know, the less production there will be. Um, I think we're already seeing that trend, and that's what you're saying is like, A, there's, gonna, there's less people working on the farms, there's traditional laws lost, well, wildcrafting was always a way to supplement income. It wasn't usually the sole source of income. Unless you were wildcrafting, something extremely, extremely valuable that was available year-round, right? Like mm-hmm. wild American ginseng, truffles maybe, but even those aren't year-round, right? So-
1: yeah, well, in the U.S., it used to be people would trap furs in the winter mm-hmm. and wildcraft roots and herbs in the in the growing seasons.
0: A perfect example, right? In the, old,
1: in the Old West. That's how they did That's how they wildcraft.
0: Yeah, and that's part of it. And as society changes and what we do change, you know, we no longer go trap furs. Well, even if we can do wild well crafting in the summer and spring, well, what are we going to do for our winter income, right? So I think. The
1: instructors.
0: That, 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 that is a very good, good way to put it, right? Uh, we, but, you know, the thing is this the environmental change has become such that. Will we have these ski resorts that we're right. that you and I may have been to when we were younger, um, yeah. or now? Right? this you know, there's already reports saying like, hey, this, there may not be snow in Lake Tahoe right. <laughs> enough to go skiing all the time in the future. Um, and we're talking about bad ski seasons where our skis and snowboards get you know these big gashes in them, but that's still enough snow to go over these. And then we get gashes, but what happens when there's just not enough snow, right? Um,
1: Yeah, all those jobs lost. All those jobs lost. I mean, no, seriously. I mean, there's a lot of people who that's how they, that's their living. So, you know, that's another industry that's being impacted.
0: Yeah. Uh, And it's, and demographic change is also, A, Europe, North America, as ex-Mexico, meaning U.S., Canada, um, Europe, China, all these places that, we traditionally use botanicals from, and that are, and which a lot of them are still being wildcrafted, has an aging demographic problem, right? The average age is increasing in these societies. Um, and hey, and where the population growth is happening, Africa, a lot of most of Africa. Southeast Asia, um, Latin America, South America. Um, we don't use a lot of botanicals from there, outside maybe Indonesia and Sri Lanka and some of these places. But, um, you know, so I think the demographic change will also, and on top of whether the social demographic change will also change the availability of a lot of these botanicals that we may get from North America, uh, China, and um, Europe, because the the society's aging and there's no one taking over that because let's, I think one of the things that we need when we talk about social is like, how do we make the supply chain more equitable? (laughs) Um, how do you not, you know, pay the person collecting or growing it two, 3% of the value of the finished good. Right. And, and the more process and the further up the food chain you are, the more value you capture out of it. Right. Well, heck, why don't I need to do all this stuff? Why don't I go do something else, right? And go move to an urban area and find a different um, source of work or vocation, right? Yeah. Um, It's just, I think that's one of the real key questions is like, how do we make our supply chains more equitable and fair and safer?
1: Bingo, key point. I mean, I was really glad to see that like the only sort of definitive thing, and even and it's still a bit vague to come out of COP seven was that there is there was agreement that the developed nations will fund the undeveloped nations' ability to withstand the impacts of climate change that the developed nation uh, nations created, you know, and it's it's these undeveloped nations that are feeling the more extreme impact. Um, you know, so for so for the people who caused that, the governments of the of the people who caused that to be willing to, um, you know, help these people not get wiped out by the changes in climate, I thought was um, the right thing to do ethical and probably um, will save a lot of money in trying, you know, having to like rush in and rescue all the people at the last minute in the future if we don't take a longer term view and and plan ahead now. Um, but this has been kind of a bleak conversation. Is there, <laughs> are, there are there some, are there some positives, Wilson? That you, <laughs> that you could, that we, I mean, we've been talking a long time as we get ready to wrap up. Are there any final points that you want people to take away from this um, mm-hmm. about these themes we've been talking about? And is there any way there can be something positive in there?
0: Yeah. I, I don't think we all need to go, you know, go out and buy a fifth of a, uh, gin or whatever, your poison of choice is to drown our sorrows. I I think the positive part of this is that, look, there's a problem and the world's recognizing there's a problem. So, you know, humans are very innovative and inventive creatures. So hopefully if we apply our desire to the problem and creativity, the problem will build us to have major impacts. I think the exciting part of it is, look, if this is really, you know, the rush to do the right thing and do things better, there's a lot of opportunity to impact change. So I think it's a exciting time because maybe we'll see things that will that we would never thought of, right? And there's hope out there because, you know, as as humans, if there's no hope, then we're just sort of destitute, you know, animals. Uh, and I think. It's exciting because we can actually do things and make change and see the change, right? Um, I think technology will give us better tools to measure um, the impact of what we're doing as individuals, companies, governments, and as society as a whole, and really make a positive change and hopefully see things um, in a different manner that is more inclusive and equitable. I think I'm really hopeful, as you said, with COP 27, because is also every dollar that a, we use old terminology, a developing country invests into something, will have a greater impact um, than if we did it at a you know a developed country, because the reality is this is is that they're able to use because they don't have the infrastructure and we'll sort of go look at telephones, right? As an example, well, everyone has a landline or everyone had a landline in the US. It took forever to adapt to cell phones and whatnot and the technology that is behind it. So a lot of people in the US still don't have um, cell phone coverage or a cell phone. But if you go look at countries like China that never had, or Africa that never had landlines, or very few landlines, I should say. Um, well, their cell phone adaptation is really high because you know they need that to communicate because they don't have a landline, right? They didn't go through computers, so now their phone is their computer. So they're using technology in different ways and, and they're able to leapfrog some of the stuff that, because we have infrastructure in place that we may not be able to do as quickly, but they sort of have a blue sky mentality to um this adaptation and change
1: oh that's interesting all right so if they're not so there is the opportunity to do things in a more advanced smarter way that's better thought out rather than just trying to follow in the footsteps of what other countries have already done that's that's encouraging yeah
0: it's very encouraging um i think it's one of those things that if there's a hopeful hope you know as we go through things um How do we make better improvements?
1: That's a great note to end this on. Well, I'm excited to um, see your discussions with your other guests coming up throughout the season, talking about sustainability from a, a variety of different viewpoints. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk with you today. This has been yet another interesting conversation with Wilson
0: no thank you thank you for joining me today and agreeing to do this um it was a pleasure as usual our conversations are never uh boring maybe leave us a little depressed end, but, <laughs> but <laughs> never boring thank you and i can't wait to sort of uh roll out the rest of season two have a really strong um guest list coming up and shows coming up so i'm really excited about it
1: well, good i'm looking forward to that thank you thank you so much Thanks
0: for listening. To learn more about the business of herbs and botanicals, visit newherbs.com. To keep listening to great episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, or Spotify, and make sure to give us a rating too.